media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes we sing an old song like that. And that was one of my grandmother's favorites. And, you know, it's hard not to attach those emotions and that love and, and her smiling face as we were singing some of those songs this morning. Question for you this morning, are you, are you a goals person? Who are our goal people? That you set goals and you kind of pretty good at least at trying to, 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 uh, kind of carry those out. Uh, we set all kinds of different goals in our lives. Sometimes it's dealing with finances. Other times it may be working out health-wise, diet, something like that. Sometimes it's vocational goals. You know, okay, we want to get this degree or we want to have that position at work, uh, eventually. And so some people are very, very goal in, uh, kind of invested and you will do whatever it takes to uh, get to that next step and get to that place where you want to be. And uh, sometimes it's easy to see exactly where you are in the midst of a goal. Other times it's a little bit more difficult. Financial goals sometimes are, are pretty easy. Okay, we want to save this much or we want to be out of debt by this point. And so there's a calendar. There's, uh, you know, your checkbook. And you can kind of see right there that there's a, a place where you're going to be able to measure, did I make it or not? You might be able to do that with a diet and with certain health goals. Uh, runners have a way when they go out and sometimes uh, I'm not a runner. You can obviously see that I'm not a runner. But uh, I've heard from runners that they will, if you've ever noticed that as they're running every once in a while, they'll look down their watch. And especially in long runs. I've never seen a sprinter, you know, look at his watch, you know, because it's kind of over and done. But if you get into the 5K, the 10Ks, if you get into a half marathon, a marathon, you're, they're looking down at their watch from the time. Why? Because they're seeing at their own pace. They've set a goal and maybe they have a personal goal. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to at the three mile mark, at the five mile mark, I'm going to be at this point. And they can kind of check to see if they're ahead, if they're behind or whatever. Well, this morning I used that illustration because the Apostle Paul, uh, he liked running. I don't know that he was a runner. I can't imagine Apostle Paul in Nikes. But for some reason we begin to see that he uses a lot of athletic terms and he uses racing quite often. He talks about how this life is a race. Not just here in Philippians and what we will see today, but we will see that also when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He talks about this race that he's in. And I don't know about you, but sometimes very much our lives seem like a race. And it doesn't always seem like we're on pace. And so this morning, we're going to begin to, to look at the last part of chapter 3. Um, we've been looking at it from verse 1. And we have these terms that, again, are very theological in nature. I hope that you're not uh, in any way say, okay, that's really not important for me. I just love Jesus. I, I don't really need to know what justification is or anything else. I think there's of real importance if we're to live the life that God has called us to do because it clarifies and brings truth to things that can be confusing to us. It's not just so that we can say these terms. I, I, this pastor would be so pleased and would be so encouraged if everybody within our church really knew with a pretty good understanding, and this is what justification is, this is what sanctification is, and this is what glorification is. 
Why? So that we could be considered really, really smart people? No. That we could just understand what God has brought to us through Christ. Because those are the three different aspects of a salvation. He justifies us, and then he sanctifies us, and then one day he's going to glorify us. So let me go over uh, an easy way to remember these. Justification is how God saved us from the penalty of sin. Okay, if you just, and there's a lot of different definitions that you could give there, but basically he took our sin and he saved us from the penalty of sin. If you remember 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he took all of our sin and placed it on Christ, took all of his rightness, his righteousness, and imputed it to us. And that's our justification. It happens in a moment, in a second. It's instantaneous. It's not a process. Okay, let's go down to the last one. Glorification is how God will remove us from the presence of sin. That's why when we look in Revelation, it says no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. No more sore back. No more hurt feelings. No no more faith, believe it or not. We don't have to have faith because we'll be able to see Christ face to face. And that's where we're removed from the presence of sin. Instantaneous. Whether it's a coming back of Christ and we're still alive at that time, or whether it is that we would pass from this life and in our last breath, the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, the glorification. And eventually we will actually get this glorified body. I think that is to come. It's not, that part isn't going to come, but we will be in the presence of God and the absence of sin immediately. This glorification that's coming will take place in an instant. But this place in between, (laughs) that's our life right now. If you're a Christian this morning and you've trusted Christ and Christ alone for your salvation to be made right with the Holy God, then you are now in this process, this middle part of our salvation, and that is sanctification. And it's how God is saving us from the power of sin. Over and over in the Bible, Peter and John and Paul and other writers would talk about that this part of our life, God has given us now his very spirit, and he's given us the ability to have victory over sin. He says, don't go back into the slavery of that. And that's part of this whole sanctification process. And this is basically, if you read Philippians chapter 3, starting with the first verse and going down to the verse 21, then you will see Paul talk about each one of these. In example, go to verse 9. If you've opened your Bibles to Philippians 3, look at verse 9. And which one of these three of justification, glorification, sanctification, is he talking about? And being found in him, we not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He's talking about justification. So he covers that, and then today we're going to spend a whole bunch of time on what it means to be sanctified, the sanctification process. But but he also talks about the glorification. He doesn't go real deep into depth in there. He's just kind of mentioning it as the completion of this salvation. Go down to verse 20, 21. Still in Philippians 3. Again, he didn't write by chapters. He didn't write by verses. He wrote a letter. And when we follow that letter to the Philippians, he's writing about all that Christ has done. And how does it end? Look what it says. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Glorification. We'll be with Christ. And now the middle part. 
Justification, I hope you have a grasp on that. Glorification, I hope you have a grasp on that. But the majority of what he talks about in the midst of Philippians chapter 3 is this race. And he compares sanctification, that is, the process of of sanctification, because it's not instantaneous. Don't you wish it was? Don't you wish that, for example, that we could just kind of be saved and then go to heaven? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But look at verse 12. He begins to talk about this sanctification, this part of our life right now. If you're a Christian, he compares it to a race. Verse 12, Philippians 3, 12. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Do you see that phrase, press on? Pressing on in sanctification, I would say are synonymous because this process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ, is a pressing on. How many of you does it come to you naturally to be like Christ? To be unselfish instead of selfish. To be giving instead of taking. We've said all along as we're going through Philippians, this is not our natural being. But then God saves us and then supernaturally begins to change us more and more to be like Christ. It's a process. It's a process that Paul compared to a race because it means that we're going forward. I'm not trying to hurt feelings, but folks, it's, it's unbiblical for us to be saved, born again, become a Christian, let's say back in 1970, and here we are in 2022, decades later, and that we haven't matured in Christ. That'd be like starting a race and still pretty much at the starting point. Now a race, they sound the gun or they do whatever they do to start the race and you start running. Some people are running fast. Some people are running slow. Some people have to kind of slow down to a walk. But people are running toward a goal. And that's what Paul takes. That's why he uses this theme. He uses this analogy of a race because he said, okay, if you're a Christian... This is when you became a Christian. This is when you were justified, not by anything that you did, but by what Christ has done for you. And and one day you're going to be glorified and and you're not going to have part in that process in the sense of that you don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. That's what God has done through his grace and the finished work of Christ. But in this middle part, the sanctification, you have to kind of put in some sweat. Not to earn our salvation, and not so that one day we will go to heaven. Do you get that? That this is all because of Christ? But in this middle part, folks, please do not misunderstand. We live and we press on with the help of Christ, through the grace of Christ. But it's participatory. And it's unthinkable to New Testament writers that we would say that we're a Christian and be here and a month later, five months later, Ten years later, be in the same exact place. Unthinkable to start this race and never get out of the starting blocks. Look what Paul says in verse 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on, the second time that he's used that phrase, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When you read that in verse 14, I press on toward the goal 
for the prize of the upward call. Especially our goal people. Everybody that raised their hand before, I'm a goal person. Okay, what's the goal? I mean, doesn't it beg an answer to that question when he says, okay, press on toward the goal. What is this goal? Is it glorification? He's not really talking about that because that's not dependent on him. That's all in the work of Christ. It wasn't his justification because that's already happened. All dependent on the work of Christ and not his own work. When he says this goal that he presses on toward, what is this goal? And I think we find it throughout uh, all these verses, but especially there in verse 15. Look what he says. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. He kind of uses this as a hinge pin to connect all these thoughts together. And basically, what is this goal of the upward call of Jesus Christ? To be more and more like Christ every single day. What's what's the goal? To become Christ-like. Let those who are mature be like this. That's why we found back in in Romans 8.29, for those whom he foreknew, he also uh, predestined to do what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. That's our race. That's our goal. The goal isn't glorification, because you really can't help that. Only Christ can do that. It wasn't your justification back here. No, it's in this middle part of becoming more and more and more like Christ, the way we think, the way we act, the way that we feel, the way that we respond to things. That's the race. And so my question to you this morning, if, if we look and we see you know, what it is, are you maturing in Christ? I mean, let's just take a... a, a a sample from uh, our own lives. If, if you're a parent, do you expect your children to mature? Yeah. I mean, that's a hope and a prayer sometimes. And you want them to mature physically, you know, grow older, and, you know, as they get, they get bigger and stronger and independent and, and to grow socially, you know, that they can be around people without embarrassing the whole family, that there's a social maturity. They kind of know how to respond uh, we could say there's a mental maturity, that they would know more and more things and how to function in this world. Well, would you hope that there would be one day a financial maturity? So, so that they're not 52 and living in the basement? I mean, you want your kids to mature. This is, is a natural thing. And what would you do? Well, would you say that that's a goal of every parent to see their children mature? Well, that's what Paul is saying here. It's, it's, it's the same exact kind of uh, truth that he's trying to put. This is what God wants for you. Now, let me ask you this question. Could God move us straight from justification to glorification? Yeah, no problem for God. You know, where's Sarah? Well, she's gone. Became a Christian this morning. Poof, out of here. I mean, it could ha- God can do that. If he wants to, the minute that we would trust him as savior of our lives, that we would put our full faith in the finished work of Christ, he could take us heaven right then. Is that how God usually does it? No. And many of you may be like me. 
that you would come and trust that by God's grace at 12 years old. And here at 60, still in this middle part, this sanctification. Where my goal isn't just to get to heaven, because I can't add to that. I can't work for that. That's something that's dependent on God and God alone to do that work. And so what is this race? To become more and more like him every single day. Maturity in Christ. Wouldn't it be great to see how we were doing in that race? I mean, a runner can look down and say, okay, I'm on pace, I'm behind pace. I'm setting a new personal record, I'm way off, you know, my regular time. And you could kind of judge at that point, this is a good day or a bad day. Wouldn't it be great if somehow we could, since this is the goal to become more and more Christ-like, wouldn't it be great if we kind of had at least some way to, to measure that? Because goals are supposed to be measurable, right? You go on a diet, you want to lose 20 pounds, what's your measurement? 20 pounds. And from time to time, you would step on, hopefully not right after Thanksgiving, step on, you know, uh, and, and see how much you weigh. And you would be able to say, man, I'm behind schedule, I'm ahead of schedule, I'm doing good, I'm not doing good. Don't you wish, if this is a goal, this is a race, to somehow measure, man, how are we doing in the race? Well, there actually is. And Paul gives us, if we want to kind of look here, in these verses, he, he gives us what I'm going to share this morning, three different characteristics of maturity in Christ. What does this maturity in Christ look like? First one, maturity in Christ is knowing how much you still need Christ. Maturing in Christ is knowing that just because you're saved, and that's enough to save you eternally, you still need Christ every single day. How many of you would admit that you need Christ every single day? Yeah. What did Paul say? Look at verse 12 again. Not that I've already obtained this. Now remember, Paul is, I mean, if they had a Hall of Fame already established, back for Christians, Paul, who's been serving Christ by this point, probably for 30, if not 32 years, by this point when he's writing this, he would have already been in the Hall of Fame. He would have already said to me, they would have already said, man, Paul. I mean, can you think, besides Peter, maybe John, anybody else in the New Testament? Certainly Jesus, but I mean, as far as the followers of Jesus, I mean, isn't he going to at least be in the top three? I mean, there's not that many that we're going to be known and just kind of have this wealth of what he wrote and, and the way that he lived and the missionary journeys that he went on and the people that he talked to about Christ. I mean, Paul is in the Hall of Fame. And yet, look what he says in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. Now, he can be talking about justification, because we just saw back in other verses that he says, no, this is what Jesus did, and I'm already fully justified. He's not yet glorified, so he can't be talking about that. The only thing that's left is this sanctification. Does that make sense? Are you following the logic of this? Okay. Not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Even after the, all the accomplishments of these 30 years, Paul realizes his daily need for Christ. The word obtain means to arrive. Paul admits that he hasn't arrived at this place yet. He's not already perfect. He meant that he has a great need for Christ on a daily basis. 
One of the ways this comes out in our daily life, guys, is for us to recognize our sinfulness. Now, one way, I know that a lot of people say, well, that's so negative. It may be somewhat negative, and I don't mean it to to, to come off in a negative term if you're just a a really positively-based person. But folks, let me let me make it positive. I'm positive that I sin every day. And I, I'm positive that I need God's grace every single day. To get in this race and, and to go toward this goal of Christ-likeness, I need the, the Spirit's help every single day. And one of the things that has to happen in my heart and in my mind is to realize my own sinfulness. The Puritans used to do... A, a thing where they would preach the gospel to themselves every day. They weren't trying to be downers. What they were trying to say is, man, I need Christ every single day. For my salvation, no, he's already saved me. So that I can go to heaven, no, he's already got that sealed too one day. So that I can become more like Christ every day. I need his help and his strength every single day. How do we test this? Well, mature Christian life It's going to be filled with confession, repentance, and brokenness. It's going to be in your life. You may not share it with others. You may not share it even with the most personal of people, you know, the the, the closest people. But in your heart, in your mind, there's going to be brokenness and and there's going to be uh, an amazing amount of recognition of sin. You don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you who've been Christians more than 10 years there are things now that you just recognize as sin in your life. Your pride, your lust, your, your, your anger, your worry that you never would have identified as a sin just 10, 15, 20 years ago. And as long as you weren't hurting somebody actively, as long as you weren't murdering, stealing, or doing something like that, man, I'm a pretty good person. And the more that we get into the Word of God, not that it's making us just, you know, again, a, a downward thing about us, and a negative thing, but we just recognize more and more our humanity, our sinfulness. Paul says, he's Hall of Fame. He's Hall of Fame, guys. And then he says, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. If the race is Christ-likeness, I'm not there yet. And admitting that, here's the amazing thing. This brokenness that we have over our sin is probably going to increase even though our actual sin decreases. That's, that's kind of the, the whole aim. Is that as we get broken over sin, that we actually sin less and less because we're more and more sensitive to it. First thing. That's second thing now. Maturity directionally desires to become more like Christ. If we're maturing, maturity, that we're going to have a direction about our life that we directionally desire to become more like Christ. It's not aimless. Look at verse 13 and 14 again. When you read these verses, you don't just feel Paul's, uh, you can kind of sense his desire to move in the direction of Christ's likeness. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. He said, I'm pressing on. I've got a direction that I'm running in. Have you ever seen those people that have the little sticker in the back? What is it? 20, Matt, help me. 26.3? 2. 26.2. 2. 
I just throw, was throwing one more in there just for those overachievers. Have you ever seen those people, you see that on the back of the car, and, you're, and you're, then you have the occasion maybe to pull up beside them or something, or you see them, and have you ever been surprised? I did not think they were a marathoner. I didn't, you know, I don't think that person can run 26 miles in their life. It's less at one time. And then other times, it's that picture of discipline. You're going, okay, that's what I thought they would look like. The exact opposite of me. Now we have something in our mind that says, okay, when we see something like that, 26.2, it's kind of figure in our mind, I mean, this is the kind of person, they've got to be disciplined. To run a marathon, they've got to be able to go out there and just kind of really actively pursue something. That's what Paul is saying here. That part of our maturity is that we are actively going in a direction with our life. And what is that direction? Jesus Christ. And and to be seen more and more. When that happens, things are going to happen in our lives. Part of this Christian maturity is is a real focus on Christ and, and believe it or not, it, there's going to be things that in our life that we would have died for before and, and now they're not, we've realized that they're not worth dying for. Other things that we would have never cared about for and now we're going, that's worth dying for. Have you realized that in your own life? That as you come into union with Christ and as you are walking and running this race now, that there's some things that 10 years ago would have been so important to you and now they're not important? and vice versa, things before that had no importance whatsoever. I mean, I, I know people that said, you know, it was never important for me, Bobby. I knew I was a Christian. It was never important for me to be uh, like in a church, be considered part of a church family. And, and now they said, I, I can't imagine not having that in my life. can imagine that I wouldn't have a body of believers, a cloud of witnesses around me that would encourage me, keep me in line, and, and just love me like they do. All of a sudden, our priorities change. Why? Because we have a direction for our life. Paul says, this one thing I do. His ultimate desire is to to do the things that would reflect Christ-likeness more and more in his life. Are you familiar with the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not Bobby becoming better. It's the, the Holy Spirit working in Bobby's life more and more to produce... Things like uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no, no law. Have you ever noticed what the next verse is? And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, what was Paul saying there? That these people that are growing in the Spirit, that the Spirit of God is reflecting more and more of these qualities... Something died in their old life. They crucified something so that they could pursue something else. Now again, fruit of the Spirit is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It's not something we produce. It's when we live in union with the very Spirit of God. But do you get the the point there? That Christian maturity is because we have a direction in our life. That's one of the ways... Are you directed toward the things of Christ in your life? Third one, mature maturity, Christian maturity, actively strains to become more like Christ. Actively strains. I've got a lot of friends that uh, 
their, their particular theological view and everything. They don't like works whatsoever. It's all grace, grace, grace. And it is all grace. Our salvation is nothing but grace, okay? And yet we're, we really have to start marking out a whole bunch of the New Testament if we think that at least this part of our life, this sanctification part, this becoming more like Christ, doesn't involve some work, some effort. Paul continually in the New Testament compares the Christian to a soldier, to a farmer, to an athlete. All three of those have a discipline, a direction. Guys, take it this way. Maturity is not passive. Would you agree with that? Maturity in any form of life, even if we're not talking spiritual, is maturity passive or not passive? It's not passive at all. I mean, you have to go for it. It doesn't just happen. The desire that we have needs to be grace-led effort to become more and more like Christ. When we read verses 12 through 14, we see him use this word press on, not once but twice. He uses this word straining. Look again and see if you can see in this a passive kind of sitting back, "Ah, I guess I'll grow if God wants me to grow, or if you see a purposeful, directional effort being put forth by Paul. Verses 12 through 14, one more time. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've already made it my own, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Even after 30, 32 years, Hall of Fame resume, Paul says, man, I'm not there yet. I, I keep on pressing on. I'm still running the race. That term, press on, was actually a, a hunting term. It means to to uh, a hunter eagerly pursuing his prey. When you go deer hunting, how many of y'all just open up the trunk and say, jump in? <laughs> doesn't quite work that way. And he uses this word about pressing on, he, about the effort to pursue something that he knows that God has called him to. So let me ask you this morning. Do you see these marks of maturity in your life? If you're here this morning, you're a Christian. At some point in time in your life, you have trusted Christ and Christ alone, His work and His work alone for your salvation, to be made right with a holy God. If you've done that and placed your faith in Christ and His work alone, then the Bible said that you're a Christian. You've been born again. There's a lot of different terms that we use, but, but you've become a Christian. Now, if you're a Christian... Do you have these marks of maturity in your life? One, is there a humility in knowing your need for Christ every day? Are you just humbled by just how much flesh is still there? And so there's brokenness and repentance and confession in your life? Number two, do you have a more singular focus for your life than you did before you were a Christian? Maybe before it was like a pinball. You're just all over the place. And now it's still kind of wide, but, but it's starting to, to kind of come together because there's one purpose in your life, and that is just to, to live for Christ and become more like him every day. Third question. Do you make a joyful effort to be involved in things that foster spiritual growth in your life? You know, reading your Bible, 
discipleship, church, coming to church and worshiping with others? Is there, is there a joyful effort that you're putting forth, those things that you know will build up, you know, encourage you and make you stronger and, and help you in this race to become more and more like Christ? Marks of maturity. We're not to be passive. It's a high call. What does he call it? Straining for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what sanctification is all about. This morning we, we look at this and I don't know about you, but there's a part of me that is glad that one day the race will be over. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? I think the older we become, the more we think. I'll be glad, like Paul says later on in Philippians, when we get back to it in chapter 4, that he's looking forward to finishing the race. <laughs> he didn't have a death wish. He's just ready for all of Christ. This morning we're, we're going to sing that song that we sang right before uh, the sermon this morning about one day. One day that God's just going to change us. We're going to see him face to face. And there's a joy there. And I don't know if it was your grandma's favorite song or if it's your favorite song, but you know, there's something about uh, mixing that with uh, when we all get to heaven. There's just something about the joy that comes from that, the, the direction that it comes, because that is going to be the final uh, crossing the finish line, guys, when God calls us home or he comes back for us. Then we'll finally be done with the race. But until then, we're running. And by the Spirit of God and by the grace of God, we... We look forward and say, okay, God, I just want to be more like Christ every single day. I pray that you can see some of those marks of maturity in your life this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you. That even, Father, as we are striving in this race, Father, that without your spirit, without your help, Father, uh, without your grace, we, we wouldn't be making any headway whatsoever. But, Father, now that you have given your very spirit to live within us, as believers, Father, now we can have victory over sin in our life. Father, we can go and, and be more and more in love like Christ and, and think like Christ. It's the very thing that Paul said there in chapter 2. Have this attitude, this mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus. So, Father, will you help us as we are in this stage of sanctification that Father that we would not become passive we would not become lazy but Father that we would do this thing with with singular focus Father strive to be more like your son each and every day until the day that this life is over and we'll stand before you and see you face to face oh Father we long for that day Thank you that you are by our side every day until then. We love you and we thank you. And we pray this in the hope that is Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.